You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. Hello, everyone. I'm Alex Brown, Director of Events for the Retail and Hospitality ISAC. And I'm Kristen Dalton, Director of Strategic Cyber Engagement, Research, and Analytics. And this is the RHISAC Podcast. Alex, thanks for taking the time to join us today. I know things are pretty crazy in the events department right now, with the summit less than one week away. Yep, uh, we've been virtual for the last two years, and it's been an adjustment planning for a large in-person event again. But we're really excited to finally be able to be back together with everyone in Dallas next week. And the summit is exactly why we have you on the show today. You're going to be chatting with a few members of the summit working group. Who are they and what is their role in summit planning? Uh, So when we plan this event, we really want to make sure that the content we're providing is relevant to our members. So every year we conduct a survey asking members about the topics that they want to see, and then we use that information to guide the development of the agenda. The Summit Working Group is a group of RHISEC members who review submitted content and make sure that the sessions that we select are in line with those topic priorities. They also help us to identify the gaps so that we have a diverse agenda filled with topics that matter most to our members. I love that member-centric approach to content. And speaking of our members, our other guest today is our September member spotlight, Christy LG. After we hear from the working group, I'm going to be talking to Christy about her unique career path, starting in business and then discovering her passion in cybersecurity with the help of the Women's Immersion Academy, a program that the Sands Institute provides to help women interested in the cyber field. I know back in March, we did a few episodes of the podcast that focused on Women in Cyber for Women's History Month. So if you enjoyed this interview, definitely go back and check those out. They feature some other great resources for women interested in advancing their cyber careers. Well, thank you, Alex. I'm going to turn it over to you now and uh, working group members to get things started. Thanks, Kristen. Uh, I'm here today with Brett Cumming, Colin Berry, and David Zhu from the Summit Working Group. Do you guys want to start by telling us who you are and why you decided to join the Summit Working Group? Good morning. My name is Colin Berry. I lead Expedia Security and Threat Research Team, which is comprised of four discrete but interdependent teams, cyber threat intelligence, threat detection, advanced threat hunting, and red team. Prior to Expedia, I worked for Booz Allen Hamilton, the CIA, and American Express. Uh, As for... uh, why I decided to join the Summit Task Force. Uh, Expedia is a fairly new member to the RHISAC, and so I thought this uh, would be a great opportunity for Expedia to assimilate itself into the RHISAC community. Pleasure to be with you today. Thanks again for having me. Hey, Alex. Thanks for having me on today. My name is Brett Cumming. I currently lead the Global Information Security Practice at Skechers, which is a role I've been fortunate to have been in for the past almost five years now after a number of different roles in IT infrastructure and information security. RHISAC has been a significant force multiplier for our team over the years, and one of my favorite parts of being involved with the group is the community aspect and being able to engage with so many different folks who face similar challenges that we do on a daily basis. The summit, to me, is really the pinnacle of that sort of collaboration, and being involved with the task force is a way for me to lean in and contribute to that mission. Right, and I'm David, and... Thanks again, Alex, for this opportunity. Uh, so I'm the manager for vulnerability and threat intel for Canadian Tire, a little bit of a Northern member for the Irish ISAC. I've been in the industry for about seven years, ranging from incident response, sim engineering, threat intel, vulnerability management. Fortunate enough to be in a position to uh, lead those 
practices for Canadian Tire. And I think for me, my feedback at Brett's and Collins, I think RHISAC is a tremendous community. And one of the best parts about it is member driven, right down to content development, even for the summit. And that's why I want to be part of the task force. This is a chance for me to give back to this community for everything that the community has given me. And I think it's a great opportunity for all of us, like minded and passionate individuals in cybersecurity to group up together and make it the best of what it can be. Thanks, everybody. Earlier, I mentioned that the RHISAC conducted a survey of our members to see what topics they're most interested in seeing at the summit this year. Colin, maybe you could share what the most popular topic was and speak to how it translated to the agenda. Sure. Thanks for that, Alex. I think the hallmark to any cyber threat intelligence team in any institutional setting is to furnish information that is relevant to the organization and offer some measure of impact, uh, be it operational, such as support to an active SOC investigation, harvesting technical data to craft fit-for-purpose detection analytics, or uh, or strategic, such as offering an in-house assessment of nation-state cyber offensive actions, uh, much along the lines of what we observed when Russia invaded Ukraine earlier this year. When I think of tradecraft, I, I go back to my early days as an intelligence analyst at the CIA. We were steeped in structured analytic techniques, and those involved identifying and overcoming mental mindsets, challenging judgments, sparking creativity, but most importantly, navigating uncertainty. And so ultimately, tradecraft involves that building of skill to wrestle with complex and difficult questions. As for sources and feeds, from my perspective at Expedia, our principles are diversity of those information sources, certainly the relevancy to who we are as a company, the nature of our business, and redundancy. Uh, There's always the need, I think, for backup, but also to corroborate and verify information that's coming in from from various sources. And then lastly, as when I think about threat actor profiles and TTPs, we've built a framework that leverages the MITRE attack to help us think concretely about the how and the why of the cyber threat landscape. But as I've maintained since I joined Expedia three years ago, I'm less concerned with the who. Uh, It's becoming increasingly difficult to definitively attribute threat adversary activity campaigns and infrastructure that's owing to a high degree of commoditization of tools and techniques on underground forums, adversaries obfuscating their techniques and their behaviors, and notwithstanding the fact that adversaries constantly hijack each other's infrastructure. So, you know, moving forward, that begs a deeper question around what types of activity exactly are we trying to protect ourselves against? Yeah, thanks for that insight, Colin. Uh, With the threat intelligence topic resonating so highly, we've confirmed a number of CTI sessions on the agenda. Uh, One of them is from members of your team at Expedia. Can you tell us a little bit about that session, understanding supply chain threats from a CTI perspective? Sure. We're we're pretty excited about this space, and, and we recognize that we're venturing into relatively unfamiliar territory here. The very nature of of supply chain attacks renders them difficult to detect and, and continuously monitor. So think about Excellion, FTA, Hafnium, SolarWinds, Logforce Shell. Though they were very different cyber incidents, all represent collectively an inflection point in the cyber threat landscape where we are increasingly seeing unique exploits that evade known digital signatures and established patterns of activity. So we're starting to, to see that attackers are deliberately compromising specific supply chains, 
one infection vector to access an unprecedented scale of victims. So our team at Expedia is creatively exploring the development of an early warning framework that's focused on supply chains, both brick and mortar and digital, given you know the nature of our business. We're heavily dependent upon software. And so our intent is to learn a bit more, go deeper into the trends in order to assess uh, supply chain risk and mitigate those threats accordingly. That's going to be a great session. Thanks for sharing, Colin. And David, moving to you, uh, Canadian Tire is also making an appearance on the agenda as the day one closing keynote with the presentation, Strategies, Tactics, and Lessons Learned from a Cybersecurity Transformation. Can you tell us a little bit about this topic and why your team felt that it would be beneficial to share? Yeah, absolutely. I am so, so excited about this session. So for the folks that are listening and not aware. Um, I've been talking with Alex Mokhtar and the rest of the RHI Sec team about a session like this for over a year now. And uh, in our member surveys, in our RHI Sec member survey, security architecture and digital transformation is also one of the areas of highlighted uh, interest that members want to hear about. So I know this will be a great session. I'm really looking forward to it. Canadian Tire has been on a huge transformation journey with cybersecurity for almost two years now. And what originally started out as a finite three-year program, it evolved into more of a new era, a new way of doing things, a new way to approach cybersecurity in the organization. I've been in the company prior to this change, and it is a night and day difference on what my purpose is now versus what it was before. We're going to be sharing our core values as such a prominent brand in Canada, how our cybersecurity team is aligned into empowering the organization to be successful in our overall purpose, which is to make life in Canada better. We'll be sharing our strategies or tactics, lessons learned to provide key insights into this journey that we're on and hopefully uh, have some thought leadership takeaways for everyone and help them in their own journeys across the retail industry. Thanks, David. That's going to be a great way to end day one. And Brett, another keynote that we're really excited about is Ira Winkler, the former chief security architect at Walmart. Uh, He's going to be the opening keynote for the first day of the summit, kicking things off with his presentation, Human Security Engineering, a Holistic Approach to Addressing Human Incidents. Can you tell us what this presentation is about and why the summit working group picked it to be one of our keynotes this year? Yeah, so this is definitely a session I'm excited for and really looking forward to. Ira is an industry legend, and the topic couldn't be more relevant. Human risk, whether social engineering, insider threat, or simple human error, is a topic of concern for all of us in information security. And we know it's also super relevant to our retail and hospitality members, as it was one of the topics that came out of our member survey this year. Ira is not only generally amazing, but also he's uniquely positioned to speak on this topic, given his role with one of the major players in our industry. And speaking of the member survey, so in addition to the topics we already talked about, our members are also identified fraud, ransomware, risk management, and SOC operations as key areas of interest. So you're going to see those on on the sessions as well throughout the agenda, including another session that Colin's actually speaking, and I'm looking forward to as well, about ransomware and the Ukrainian conflict. Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to that. I, I think there's potentially multiple threads to touch upon in a 45-minute session. And first and foremost, what I would say is 
you know, the, the panel is an opportunity to highlight, if not extol, the virtues of public and private sector collaboration. Certainly from Expedia's perspective, we welcome a robust and enduring partnership with federal law enforcement. I know the FBI will be moderating the panel. We had a good call last week where we sketched out a few anchoring questions. But I think as with any good panel, the panelists will weigh in on various responses to the questions, allowing for a natural ebb and flow to the discussion that may go down some, some fairly interesting tangential paths. I suspect there will be a conversation around the geopolitical intersections of ransomware, the evolving nature of the ransomware threat. To that end, you know, it is interesting to note that over the last six months, there's been a market decline in attention-grabbing headlines detailing ransomware attacks. Our team at Expedia, we have a hypothesis as to why that is. I'm not going to disclose it now. I invite your members to attend the panel, listen in, and, and share their thoughts. I think there will be an opportunity to certainly discuss. I know Jeebs from Flashpoint will be there, uh, and that's very exciting. He can offer a, a rich and important perspective from Flashpoint's perspective on <clears throat> the underground forums, their evolving nature. And we probably will touch upon the role of cyber insurance, whether or not to pay the ransomware. Uh, so lots of uh, interesting topics to explore. Yeah, absolutely. And ransomware is a topic that we've seen on agendas in years past, but threat actors are always evolving, which means there's constantly something new to learn about with these familiar topics. Part of why members enjoy attending the summit is to stay ahead of these developments and find out what's coming down the pike with developing threats. Were there any new topics or new takes on older topics that you're excited about seeing on this year's agenda? David, I'm going to pass this one to you. Yeah, sure. There's so many great sessions and it's really hard to choose from all of them. I will highlight Hyatt's session morning of the first day regarding passwordless authentication. Identity is a huge area today. There's a lot of studies around the efficacy or lack thereof regarding legacy authentication. And even though MFA is becoming the norm in everyone's day today, some organizations are still struggling with challenges getting to high adoption rates. And I think in identity, especially one of the key innovation successes, since it's so ingrained in user experience, is to provide those identity solutions that are seamless, secure, and so easy to use that your users would see it as something they want to move to and want to adopt rather than being a blocker. Um, innovations such as SSO or MFA via push notifications are great examples of this, right? When a user has an opportunity to use them, they help simplify their workflow. They make them think, it's like, hey, that's so easy, and this, that's so easy to use, how can I use it, right? And with these solutions, the security uplift and the benefit is all behind the scenes, working in the background for the user, rather than the user having to do extra work just to stay secure. And so I think with Hyatt's session, I think we'll be looking at another great example of that with modern authentication techniques. And that's why I'm really excited to see on the agenda this year. Highly recommend to attend if you're interested or in the identity space. Thanks, David. And then finally, we are back in person after two years of doing virtual events. Do you have any advice for networking at the summit? I know there's going to be plenty of opportunities with a welcome reception, several networking breaks, happy hours, a member meeting and celebration dinner, and brown bag lunch, birds of a feather style luncheon discussions. Any suggestions for folks that are attending the summit for the first time? Uh, Brett, I'll kick it over to you. Sure, Alex. And there's definitely a ton of stuff going on, so many opportunities. I think that the thing that makes this event unique to me is that all the attendees, we're all in the same boat. We're from similar orgs, facing similar challenges, 
a lot of the folks in attendance are faces and names that we will have seen online or in Slack channels and the Intel boards. I think there's a great opportunity to reach out in advance, connect with some of those folks, reach out on, on Slack, hit people up on LinkedIn, you know, kind of uh, get that out there and, and see who all is going that you might know. And also, I would say while you're there, you know, don't be shy. You know, just reach out and, and say hi to people because it's such a relaxed and open community and it's a community-driven group. And you can really just walk up to anybody and shake their hands and you know you're going to have something to connect them with and, and something meaningful to talk about. Yeah, it's kind of uh, a little bit eerie that my notes here are exactly the same as what Brett said. So don't be shy. Reach out on Slack prior and we'll meet up. Yeah, we're really looking forward to it. I want to thank the three of you for being here today and for participating in the Summit Working Group. We really couldn't do it without your feedback and your support. I can't wait to see everybody at the Summit next week. If you're listening to this and you've not yet registered, you can find the registration link in the episode description. Feel free to reach out to me with any questions at events at rhisac.org. We're now going to take a quick break to hear a message from our sponsor, Fortinet. And then stick around after that because Kristen sits down with Christy LG, this month's member spotlight. Today's show is brought to you by Fortinet. Fortinet provides retailers with top-rated cybersecurity solutions covering the expanding attack surface. Advantages include centralized visibility and management, lower TCO, and top performance. Proven threat protection and seamless fabric integration delivers better, faster response to attacks across the entire network, including point-of-sale systems and other devices carrying sensitive information. And Fortinet helps simplify compliance with PCI DSS and other regulations. As digital innovation and the need to provide always-on customer experiences drive network transformation, retail cybersecurity has become more vital. It's essential to have a security partner that can provide simplified security and networking to keep customers' data safe and enable a superior consumer experience. For more information, contact the Fortinet team at retail at fortinet.com. Hi, Christy. Welcome. We're excited to have you on this podcast to learn a little bit more about your background and your career path. You didn't start out in cybersecurity originally, so what were you doing before and what made you decide to transition into the field? Sure. So uh, my my journey to cybersecurity is, is very convoluted and kind of odd, if you ask me. I started out as a retail management trainee for Hannaford Supermarkets, which is located in uh, New England largely. And so I went through the training program, worked for Hannaford Corporate, uh, doing a variety of, of different roles. So I supported the retail scheduling systems I did business process engineering, and so um, I was pulled for a special project also to help roll out a forecasting software, you know, forecasting how many pies we need for Thanksgiving. And so that's kind of how I started before cybersecurity. What was so appealing about cybersecurity that made you transition into into the field? So it there came a time when I was talking to, you know, my manager and we talked about where my career takes me from from forecasting. And there were kind of logical next steps into different positions within the company. And those were next steps that I didn't have passion about. And so I kind of took some time and, and reflected on through the years what what kind of made me want to get up in the morning. 
And it were, was the times that I was working with the scheduling software and with the forecasting software and, you know, UAT testing. And, and it was really the technology pieces that had always captured my attention. And so my husband actually suggested that I transition into cybersecurity because he he works in cybersecurity and, um, you know, knows my interests and knew that I enjoyed listening to his stories of uh, penetration tests that that he'd been on and stuff. And his his life seemed far more adventurous and, and different day to day than mine. And, you know, when a grappling hook shows up on your your front steps for an engagement that he's contracted to do, you know, kind of piques your interest and makes you think that that maybe it's a more exciting field and, and would keep you more engaged day to day. That's awesome. I have not heard of a, a grappling hook <laughs> arriving on a doorstep, but yeah, I would imagine that that would be very intriguing. And I think it always helps when you've got someone, especially a significant other already in the field to kind of help you, you navigate into it. Did you have any trainings? Like once you got into cyber, did you have any trainings that prepared you for the role that you're in now? Sure. So I started out knowing relatively little about cybersecurity, but knowing that that it's interesting. So I really took some time and looked into courses at a local community college in my area just to kind of get my feet wet and see if it was truly something that I'd enjoy um, and kind of build a little base knowledge. Simultaneously, I had applied to the SANS Women's Immersion Academy and first was rejected, not accepted into the program. And so I took more of those those courses through the local community college in order to kind of build up my knowledge and attempt to apply again, which I did. And then later I was accepted. So I went through the SANS uh, Women's Immersion Academy, which was three of their courses and the accompanying certifications. That's awesome. What was the Women's Immersion Academy like? Because I'm not sure you know, if there's anyone out there listening who would be interested in this type of program, I guess, how long was it? What did it entail? What was your experience going through that? It was uh, an intense experience, but it was really great. Um, so they accepted, I think, about 15 folks in my class, if you will. My cohort, I believe, is the term that they used. And so once we were all accepted, we all had to take two courses that they outlined, and then our third course was a choice of our own from a from a limited list, which gives us kind of a good basic solid foundation and three certifications if all the tests were passed. So we would meet weekly with a mentor that they assigned um, to help keep us on track, and I believe we had six weeks to go through each course and get ready for the exam. Um, so it was pretty intense and pretty fast paced, but it was all free. So they sponsored us basically with a with a scholarship for all of their courses. So it was a huge investment for them to be making in women who were career changers or folks who were kind of graduating but had no practical experience in cybersecurity. Well, congratulations on being accepted into that program. It sounds amazing. Yeah, it was. It definitely helped me <laughs> switch careers without it. I'm I'm not sure that I would have been able to. <laughs> and the, can you talk a little bit more about the, the cohort model? I know it was a small group, but 
did that type of learning help at all? Was it a different type of experience? You know, knowing that you weren't going in alone and you kind of had a community built in, which, you know, is a nice tie into our larger RHISAC community, but just that cohort model, do you feel like that improved your experience or what was that dynamic like? Yeah, I enjoyed, you know, the cohort because it brought together all types of folks. And uh, back before the pandemic, when I did the program, we actually attended one of the courses in person. And so I was able to meet in person a lot of these other women who were going to be going through the program with me based on geographic reasons. So not the whole group, but but some that were located within kind of the same region. And so it was really neat to learn more about all of the women going through the program with me and and see where strengths and weaknesses were. And so we could bounce ideas off each other. If somebody didn't understand a topic, you know, the mentor could help, but also would have other members of the of the cohort explain or, you know, try to explain as we're all learning together to to check our knowledge. And there was a lot of accountability there, which was helpful <laughs> moving so fast. And, you know, everybody has lives outside of outside of work and outside of learning. And so it was great to have kind of that group there to be accountability partners and and keep folks, including myself, who gets uh, who has a lot going on in their life, straight and on the path to to be successful. Well, that's awesome. I'm so happy that you were able to be a part of it. And to, and now you're a manager of cyber defense and operations at Ahold Del Hayes. What's your day to day responsibilities in that role? So it's different every day. <laughs> Some days are, are more hectic than others. So my team is broken into kind of, I'm going to say mini teams, but we all kind of have specialties. So right now I belong to the penetration test and vulnerability management group. And so my job is to kind of oversee penetration tests to do a lot of the, I'm going to say management role um, of testers that we contract uh, outside the company to help kind of direct traffic to our internal testers a, a tiny bit and to interface with other areas uh, like our QA partners who who also do penetration testing. At the same time, the other two members of my my small team focus more on the vulnerability management, but we all come together to help look at the responsible disclosure program and kind of manage critical vulnerabilities and and that type of stuff. What's great about my team, though, is there are also opportunities to kind of test the waters in other, I'm going to say specialties, if you will. So uh, we had one member kind of move on from the team, which opened up a threat intel role. So I've been filling that role in addition to kind of my regular day-to-day stuff. So it's it's an adventure every day and no two days are alike. (laughs) Well, we do we do hear that a lot from our members and yeah, the ability to get involved in a lot of different things in a cyber role, I think is what makes some of these jobs pretty rich and fulfilling. I'm curious, knowing that your background was in business, are, are, is there anything from your business background that translates into the cyber role that you're in right now? I think probably the skills that I've brought that have been most helpful are process improvement and and some of the my Excel skills. Um, I've made <laughs> I've made a yes. few spreadsheets that have been helpful, but kind of documentation, I think, has been one of the pieces that 
has translated nicely. So, you know, we would document practices and and things like that for for the retail folks who I was supporting. And so when I came into cybersecurity, I think we're all action and handling the day to day and not a lot of documentation and preparation that way for future events. How can we leverage our knowledge now or if someone leaves the team? So I think I think immediately me learning and building kind of documentation for myself mm-hmm. in a complex technical environment where I am not technical uh, has been helpful. Mm-hmm. Yep, for sure. So being new to the field, you had mentioned that you're part of a team and sharing and collaboration in general, I think even with the RHISAC community is a big part of the cyber industry and just how other companies are working together to better defend against these threats. Can you share a story of how you were helped or when you had helped someone else in this community or even just within your organization right now? So even as I was undertaking kind of my my leap into cybersecurity, I found the community was so gracious. So my husband, of course, had peers and coworkers and former coworkers. And I actually had a couple of them reach out to me before I had certifications, anything. One of them allowed me to ride along on a penetration test that they were doing for the company that they ran. And so I got to sit and, you know, he took the time to explain what he was doing and what results meant. And he actually let me write the report for them with oversight, of course, um, and so and and paid me for it, which was which was more than generous for my for my contribution. So and he actually just checked in on me the other day to see how I was doing and and whether I had made it into cybersecurity. So it was great, um, just all the support that was that was pouring out to me as I was changing careers. And then you know once I joined my team, everybody was immediately generous with their time and and knowledge, so much knowledge (laughs) on my team. And so if I had a question and I would be the girl at the meeting or the person at the meeting even, you know, who was like, what does that acronym stand for? (laughs) Like DC. (laughs) And in business, it was a distribution center for me. And, you know, now it's like, oh, domain controller. It's like, okay, that makes way more sense than talking about a distribution center. Thank you. So, you know, (laughs) but they were gracious and never made me feel out of place. You know, they'd follow up separately if if they thought they would embarrass me or anything. So they've shared so much knowledge with me. And so I've been able to help a little bit. (laughs) I'm still building my technical knowledge, of course, but I've been able to help by kind of sharing my story. I think there are a lot of women out there who are interested in cybersecurity and making career changes, or maybe they're already in IT, but want to go into you know cyber defense or cybersecurity and just don't know how to get there. Or, I mean, I'm gonna say imposter syndrome is, is a big part you know, of some, some of these folks' stories and, and mine too. Like, my first day of work, you know, like they're going to know that I don't know anything. So just being able to share my story of how generous folks are with their time and knowledge and and how how you can change from forecasting pies to helping defend an international company from cyber threats. 
Yeah, I love what you said about, yes, there's a lot to learn as someone newer to the field, but also you do come from a business background and we hear a lot from our members that, you know, some of these challenges is how do you translate the business risk? And so being able to communicate, you know, you've had that experience and you kind of have a different perspective on the business at large where that's a whole other perspective and value add even just to the cyber team. So have you noticed in your role right now, some of that translation that occurs, like, yes, you're trying to understand some of the technical side of things, but are the technical folks also like, is there also room for growth around the overall business impact? Yeah, it's it's been interesting. We had a couple situations come up. So I was working on a, a penetration test and scoping it. And, you know, there was a lot of debate around the piece of technology that we wanted to test, how much interaction with it is okay, you know, with physical testing. And they're like, well, we don't want to impact the store negatively if this goes offline. It's more labor, it's more time, it's more payroll dollars. And so it helped that I came from an area of I've run a store, I've been in your shoes. And I, I, you know, and I've also built up folks, contacts and like a network of operations folks. So I can be like, Mm -hmm. I will talk to your director and see in advance how we can remedy this. Like if we break this technology, can we accommodate rushing a new piece of technology there, a new device there for the store? And then for my team, I've been able to translate. They wanted to put down some security or put some security measures in place that would have prevented us from selling a particular product. And I'm like, well, you know, if you just lock down the use of USBs, for example, then this creates problems for the business in this way. So like, how can Mm -hmm. we accommodate or, you know, like what's a productive solution so that you're not impacting the store's productivity in their business. So it's been helpful because I've I've run a store and I've I've lived it and ultimately at the end of the day is you know my team is there to support folks who are selling groceries. So mm-hmm. it's been valuable. And I don't always see the value, but <laughs> you know, I'm just like I'm just a girl who like stacked up peas, cans of peas. Um <laughs> and and you know, and so I've I've been told by other folks that that, you know, that contribution is valuable and ad- has added perspective to my team. That's awesome. That's such a great story. Thank you for sharing that. One one last question for you. So do you have any advice for other women who are interested in pursuing careers in information security? I think, you know, like you said, you've got, you've got a lot of value in, in making that transition into cyber, but uh, any advice that you would give or lessons learned that, that you've had along the way? I think I would just say do it <laughs> if you're interested <laughs> yeah. and passionate. You know, I think a lot of it for me was that it didn't come easy and it was a lot of hard work. I put in a full year of studying after work between putting kids to bed, you know, like after after activities. So I, I studied hard and I put in time. So like a career change is not easy especially mm-hmm. to get into a field so technical. But, you know, if it's a if it's a passion and you're willing to learn and you're thirsty for kind of knowledge, I, I think it's doable for sure. And there are a lot of resources out there. The SANS Women's Immersion Academy being one of them that that happened to help me. But 
There are other free resources and webcasts and all kinds of things where you can start to dabble and really find find what you're interested in because InfoSec is, is wide and with many specialties and niches you can get into. Well, thank you so much, Christy, for your time today and for joining us. We're so happy that you're part of the RHISAC community. And with that, I also want to thank Alex and our other guests, David, Colin, and Brett. And we can't wait to see everyone at the summit next week. Thank you for having me. (laughs) 